Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, the Commish. Joining me today is the co-host, Aaron, downtown Brown. Aaron, what's going on, my man? Hey, not much, man. Uh, another week, another week. How are you doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hanging in there. Everything is all good up here in Massachusetts. Uh, all good on the betting front. We've been having sports sports betting going on here for about a month, which has been a lot of fun to, uh, to take part in. Uh, not so much a, a gambling-heavy episode here today. Um, but yeah, things are all good over here. We are talking some strategy here, but we're talking some trading specifically. It's that time of year where we're getting into rookie draft season. And that's a, a, the time when a lot of, uh, a lot of leagues really peak up in terms of trades going down because you got, you know, nothing but, but rookie content all over the airwaves nowadays when it comes to the NFL. So, uh, that's all good stuff. We're going to give you a little bit of strategy on how to deal with certain players at certain positions and kind of where we think they fall in. Uh, in terms of rookie picks in this year's draft. So it's going to be a fun, fun episode. And uh, let's just kick right off and get into it here, right off the top on the first minute. So you wanted to talk about a little bit of strategy here. Um, so I'll give you the floor, Mr. Brown. What do you got in terms of strategy when it comes to trades? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of my specialty. That's kind of what, you know, what I like I like thinking about is what it, what am I trying to get out of a trade, right? Like, well, what's my ultimate goal am i trading just to trade or do i actually have a goal in mind right so i i just have like three different things i wanted to bring up today um i'll list uh what i think i'll do is i'll just list them right off and we'll see if any resonate with you and you can speak on any of the um any of them um take your pick or all of them or, or however this goes right <laughs> um but first of all i'll just go right off the top and say um you know sometimes it's okay if the trade you're trying to make is perceived that you're the one giving up more, right? <laughs> like if, it, if you have a goal, if you have a reason where you, you think that it's still going to improve your, maybe it's just, you really just need an upgrade in your starting lineup, right? If you're giving up a couple assets to really upgrade, you know, your starting lineup, or if you just need more depth uh, or you're just rebuilding, right? Like sometimes you may have to uh, go against like the popular, uh, the, yeah, I guess the popular opinion or or trend, I should say. So that's one thing is like sometimes don't be af afraid to be the one that's like the perceived loser of the trade as long as it kind of goes along with what you're trying to do. That's uh, number one. Uh, number two, I, I guess this is kind of just <laughs> I think it's just because, you know, I know your your nickname's the commish, right? But I, I'm a commish as well. And uh, one thing I do try to do is like I know there's some sharks out there, but I really don't try like, I really don't like to just like be ruthless out there, you know, especially if someone, if I know is, is a little vulnerable, just still learning a little bit. Um, I try to, I try to not just attack that. <laughs> I know there's a lot of owners out there that do. Um, so I just wanted to call out about like the sharpness, you know, I think there's, there's times and places, right? So on the other side of that, though, what I do enjoy doing is taking full advantage of dynasty rankings and the perceived hype over players, right, or recent events. So that I really do not mind at all if I feel like I'm getting over on a trade or, you know, using that hype or, or whatever recent events is going on. Or if this player just had an amazing season or, like I said, you know, we talk about calculators or dynasty rankings and if. If, um, you know, we just talked, you know, last week on, uh, 
you know, players that we think are overvalued, right? So if you if you got one of those guys that um, you know, maybe you feel is overvalued, I have no sympathy if I feel like I'm uh taking advantage in that front. So that's just a couple things I wanted to bring up. Um, any comments over any of those topics? Yeah, that's some good stuff in there for sure. I uh, agree with it for the most part, pretty much. You know, don't worry about what your league chat is going to say about a trade that you that you have sitting in your inbox that you want to accept. As long as you're not getting completely cleaned out in terms of a, a value standpoint and you know that, if you think that whatever offer you're, you're mulling over is going to help your direction, whether it's a win-now approach or whether it's taking a rebuild, maybe taking a step back, then, then like, don't worry about what your league members are going to think. You know, if you think it's fair – and you think it's aligning with what your objectives are, then go for just go for it and do it. You know, the, the group chat will will die down within an hour or so in most leagues. So don't worry about that. Just do what you think is in the best interest of your team. Now, I will say, if you're sending me a screenshot of a trade calculator, like I'm at a point now in my dynasty career where I'm pretty much just gonna just decline without without a counter. Like, um, because the reason I say that is you know, once you play dynasty for six, seven years, maybe even a little bit less, like you kind of have an idea of of how players are, are valued. If you're, as long as you're paying attention to what's going on around the ever-changing landscape of the NFL, you're going to, you're going to know essentially if you like a trade or not, if you want to trade a certain player or not. And like, you know, I feel like I, for the most part, when I get someone sending me a screenshot of a trade calculator, it's like them matching four future second round picks and a third round pick this year for like, uh, I don't know, like Brees Hall or something. You know, and they're just they're just adding up the points. They're like, oh, well, look, you win you win this trade by fifteen points. Like, you have to take this deal. It's like, no, no, I'm not going to give you the premium asset in this trade because you're giving me pennies on the dollar. So that's uh, that's just kind of the bad taste they have in my mouth from the when I think trade calculator. I do see the value of them when you're first starting out. And you don't really know um, how to value maybe you first veterans or draft picks in particular. You don't know how to va- value those picks. Maybe when you're first starting out, go for it. You know, lean on the calculator a little bit just to give you a rough idea. Just know that. You know your league better than a calculator ever will, and uh, eventually you should try to get to a point where you do not have to rely on on value calculators because the calculator in your head is the one that really matters. So that's my my thoughts on that. And uh, my a quick point on the strategy here is to know the time of year when you're trading. For example, we have the rookie draft season uh, fastly approaching us here. You know, there's been months and months now to comb through all these different prospects. Free agency has come and gone, so now uh, the spotlight really is on the 2023 rookie class. So that means that, you know, there's no secrets left with these guys, really. So the time to acquire the 2023 picks is now in the rearview mirror. You know, if you're, if you're getting them right now, you're going to be paying more in all likelihood than you would have been paying at any other point earlier in the offseason or certainly during last season. So the time to get these picks is, uh, you know, for it was, was a couple months ago. But that also means if you're sitting on some rookie picks, that this could be the time to put them on the trade block, either now or during the NFL draft, or during your league's draft, which should be in the next month or month and a half or so. Um, the time to the time to, to cash in on these picks, if you've been hanging on to them, is is coming up too. So timing is very important in Dynasty. We talk about that a lot on the show. And this is the time to sell the rookie picks uh, if you have them. And it's probably not the time to go buying them. But uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't kick the tires on them because that's that's fun as well. So any thoughts on timing before we jump into our exercise tonight? Yeah, no, I love the timing talk, right? Because we, we talk about, you know, Dynasty being that 365, um, you know, um, all year round approach, right? So um, I do I do think you, you got to stay up to date with it if you really want to, um, you know, be successful in Dynasty. 
uh, yeah, I think timing is very crucial, right? So like even even if you're not making a trade, right, that's also making a decision too, right? So um, knowing knowing players' worth at the, at the different points in the in the year, whether it's in season or kind of this lull time, right? To or like you said, if you have picks, um, he, we we know that that rookie hype is real, right? So um, it is going to be interesting to kind of see as you know some owners do not have picks, right? They're gonna they might change their mind. Might they might offer you some guys, and you might have some tempting deals. So right. So I think looking at timing over things will be will definitely is always interesting, right? Especially when when as as that hype rises more, and and then at some point, sometimes as much as you love that pick, uh, sometimes like I said, you can take advantage of that with timing and and uh, get a higher value because of that hype season. So that's what makes it fun. Um, you know, sometimes it pays off and sometimes, uh, yes, like I said, taking advantage of the, of the timing or the hype or, you know, however we we're we're explaining it. Um, I think that's, I think that's exactly what you need to be, uh, need to be doing. Absolutely. Timing is everything, not only in life, but in dynasty fantasy as well. So definitely important to, Keep an eye on the calendar and know where you are in it so that you know what the value of things like rookie picks versus veteran talent is. And speaking of which, the exercise we're going to get into is a comparison between rookie values and veteran veteran NFL talent. So what we're going to be doing here is rattling off six different players. Uh, it's fun because Aaron, uh, Aaron Downtown Brown knows the players, but not necessarily the draft pick compensation that's on either side of, of these deals. So these are all one-for-ones, one player versus one draft pick, mostly first-round picks involved here. Uh, we're going to take this exercise from the lens of a 12-team Superflex tight end premium half PPR league. So if you're following along at home, maybe you don't play Superflex, just know that the values of quarterbacks in the Superflex formats is much, much more valuable versus your traditional 1QB formats. Um, and yeah, so that's uh, that's where we're at here. We'll, we'll also call it just a, a half PPR league with a full-point premium for, for a tight end. So that's uh, setting the table here. So we'll get right into the first exercise. Captain Carmen is not on here, but I think he'll be very proud that we're leading off with a New York Giant, and that's Daniel Jones. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, would you rather have Daniel Jones or the 107 in this year's rookie draft, and why? Ooh, the 107, 107. So, um, you know, I think Daniel Jones, that's one that I think we've talked about where <laughs> – uh, he had such a, he had, he had a great year last year, fantasy wise. But I think when you really get down to the nitty gritty, you got to look at some injuries that happen, right? You had Lamar that's out of that, right? You got Kyler Murray. You got a, you had an off, off year with Aaron Rodgers. You had a couple things like that where you started looking at, you know, some of these, uh, top tier quarterbacks is Daniel Jones, someone you really want to, um, keep betting on year after year after we've seen more bad seasons than good. Right. So, um, you said the 107. I, especially in a super flex flex league, I actually, I'd probably take that deal honestly because in my head, I, uh, I'd actually say I, I'd probably, um, I'd probably give up not more than like a 24 first. You know, I know, I know we're kind of, I'm breaking the rules a little bit going on a different year, um, but I'd be scared. I'd be scared to uh, give up. You know, 23 picks in this class, right? With with definitely having some potential um you know starters this year at qb um and then we have at least three top tier running backs uh well actually three to four 
And then uh, always in that mid, mid to first, you're always going to get a, you know, one of the best wide receivers. So you, you really got, you know, you usually got your, your pickings right over on that seventh pick. It, it is kind of, you know, you did pick right in the middle of the road where you can kind of go different directions. Um, but yeah, I'd actually smash that. Hey, I would take that deal. I would take the seven. Um, I don't think I'd want to bet my future on Dan- Daniel Jones. I know super flex leagues, quarterbacks are pretty important. Um, but I'd, it's, I'd actually take that. I would take the seven uh, for Dan- Daniel Jones. I, I would um, I would not mind taking that. Uh, what do you think? So I think I'm on the other side of it. Uh, so that's fun. It's a disagreement right off the top here. And look, I agree that 107 is a nice spot in super flex drafts this season, where essentially in that spot, you're what you're guaranteed is a top four quarterback prospect prospect B. John Robinson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba or or Gibbs. So it's uh it is a premium asset in Superflex formats. However, we're talking Superflex here. We have an established quarterback in Daniel Jones. We saw him produce a quarterback number seven overall season last year. And that was essentially with zero weapons to work with. Um I know there were some injuries uh to some other guys, Lamar Jackson, uh Jalen Hurts missed a couple games too, as well as Kyler Murray. But I think the reality here is that there's going to be high profile quarterbacks that miss games every single year. So given what he was able to do on the ground, um, I, I think we can see him finish as a QB one again this year, uh, second year in that Brian Dayball system. And I actually think there's room for improvement here. You know, he only threw 15 touchdowns on the season last year and still finishes a top seven quarterback. To me, that was pretty impressive. You know, he gets Darren Waller coming in here um, and likely a first or second round rookie, rookie wide receiver joining the mix too. So I think that's his offensive weaponry that he's going to be throwing the ball to is going to be a lot better in year two under Brian Dayball than it was in year one. And I just think he's a young player who's still getting better. Uh, we seem to have some some weekly upside, particularly if you were rolling with him during the fantasy playoffs last year on the way to a championship like I was. He was kind of like your discount guy that you could get in there and you were getting high-profile uh, QB1 weeks from. And it was great to, to, to ride down the stretch. So he also has con- contractual certainty, which you can't say for every quarterback out there. You know, He signed an extension this offseason. Uh, looking at the details, it's bare minimum. It's going to be a two-year deal. I think in all likelihood, it's likely going to be a, a three-year contract that he's going to be the guy there for the for the next handful of seasons, which you can't really discount versus some other quarterbacks who are kind of have shaky contractual futures. Um, Jones, you don't have to worry about for a couple seasons. So I think he's a, a, a guy that you can plug into your lineup with confidence under a, a good system here that, that really kind of finally showed some of the promise that he had to work with. So it's tough to give up on 107, but I'm taking the certainty and Daniel Jones. Um, any, uh, any counterpoints on that before we move on to the running back position? Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I mean, I think if you had him, it was a pleasant surprise, but I mean, I, I know like I was an example, I had him, but like it was so sneaky how he became that top where like he was so looking at his matchups all year long. It, it's just so tough. You, you pull that trigger, right? So like, for instance, we, you know, Captain Carbon and I share a team where uh, that obviously, you know, this league where, you know, we had Dak or Daniel Jones. It's like, we were always scared to to start Danny Dimes over uh, Dak. Right. It, it's, it's just, I, I just think we've seen, uh, I mean, I know Dabble. I think he, he's shown how much he's turned that team around. Um, but I, it's just tough for me. I, I I think the great thing is, yes, he does get the rushing stats, but the low volume and in, in, in passing touchdowns, um, I think will be a, you know, pretty consistent. I can't, I can never, I can't really see a 40 to 50 touchdown uh, season in his arsenal. I do agree that he probably has some room on the table to grow, but 
um, I can't see those 40, 50 um, touchdown years, which obviously with running, you don't always have to have it. But um, to me, he's always just going to be a scary play, in my opinion, just watching him as a player. Yeah, you never know what the guys that run. There there are injuries can can certainly factor in for players like that. We saw him miss time two seasons ago as well. Uh, but for the reason you mentioned there at the end, I was going to throw that out there. You know, the guys that have the rushing floor, you don't necessarily need those 40, 50 touchdowns down, down numbers. You know, if they get into the high 20s or low 30s and they're they're tacking on another like 600 rushing yards and a few scores on the ground, like they're going to quickly find themselves in the QB1 territory. So I think Daniel Jones has a number of outs to get you that fantasy production. And again, he was throwing to uh, essentially nobody last season. So I, I, uh, I see good things for him on the future and we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, definitely a tough call there between a premium 107 pick and a super flex league for sure. Uh, we have a couple running backs to talk about here as well. I'll start. I'll kick it off here with Kenneth Walker. Uh, so would you, would you rather Kenneth Walker or the 102? And in a one QB league, I would have taken Walker in a slam dunk here. But in super flex, I'm actually going to go uh, with the draft pick here. And even though I'm a big fan of Kenneth Walker, I like his game a lot. And I actually have him as a borderline top five dynasty running back just based on his age and the usage that we've seen CL running backs get. Over the years, and now with Rashad Penny out of town, I think it's going to be the Walker show in Seattle. So I really do like the player, very high on him. But that said, I'm taking the 102. At this pick, I'm either guaranteed B. John Robinson, who's a much better prospect, or I'm get or getting my choice of any QB prospect that I want in this in this 2023 crop. And I know Captain Carmen's big on, you know, taking the established talent. We've seen Walker do it over the second half of the season. I definitely see the value in that. I just think B. John Robinson is a special talent. Uh Evaluators are saying he's the the best prospect we've seen at the position since Saquon Barkley came out back in 2018. And I think uh, Captain Carmen would agree that Saquon Barkley, when he entered the league, kind of took it by storm right away. And I think we could see something similar to, uh, to a B. John Robinson. So I take him over Kenneth Walker. And like I said, we're talking super flex here. And we just know how valuable these QBs are in this format. And then the buying power that you're going to get with this 102, you know, assuming B. John goes 101 then you're just going to have your pick of the litter here. And I think if you have that pick in your pocket at this time of year, timing being so important, that you could probably get more for the 102, I'd imagine, at this moment in time than you can for a guy like Kenneth Walker. And if you can have 102, maybe you can flip it back to 105, 106, where you're probably going to get a top four quarterback prospect in this class, and then you can pick up some additional value on top of that. And, you know, you can uh, you can just have so many so many outs to move around the board so you can move the pieces around to kind of to tinker with it and get more value, whether it's later in this class or it's in the future years. You know, it's a good time of the year to try to, if you move back to try to acquire some some good quality future value while everyone's fixated on the 2023 class, you can be getting ahead in 2024 or maybe as far out as 2025 if you're willing to wait a couple of seasons. So those are my thoughts on Walker versus the 102. I'm uh, very curious to see where you come in on this. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause like I said, I knew the players, I didn't know what you'd actually come up, come back with, with the drafts on these. So these are all surprises to me. Um, I just wrote down early first. I didn't know how early you would go. Right. So the two is very intriguing, uh, especially in super flex formats. Um, may break the rules again. I actually have two answers. I think if, for instance, if you're a rebuilding team, um, you know, you, you do not think that, for instance, you're going to be a, a championship team where you could win the whole league. Um, I would say take it, right? Because I, I think as, you know, we talk strategy, I think as you said, you know, if you can get a one for one, you know, Kenneth Walker, let's say to a competing team uh, for the 102, what you can do in the future is you're, you know, come draft day and that second pick comes up. Uh, let's say, you know, let's say Bijan does go first. 
you can flip that, right? You can maybe get um, two firsts out of it. You can probably trade that second and maybe get like an out the uh, the two and the eight with it, like you said too. So I think from a rebuilding standpoint, I think that is uh, uh, pretty smart to do uh, as we talk about timing and hype. So uh, you kind of trade before the draft, as we talked about, and then during the draft, you may be able to flip it again. People don't care that, you know, what the trade was to, to get the two that, you know, was Kenneth Walker. They forget that, right. They just want that second pick come draft day. So, um, you know, you may be able to uh, flip it or like you said, it's either going to be Bijan or maybe the Carolina uh, quarterback, whichever one that will be. Um, so it's, it's pretty smart to take it. Uh, now going the captain Carmen approach, like you said, uh, you know, if you are a competing team and Kenneth Walker is part of your formula that you, you know, you really don't want to take a risk on, uh, you know, the rookie class or let's say of Bijan, you know, if you got the story where, you know, when Jonathan Taylor was, uh, drafted when, you know, Marlon Mack <laughs> was the perceived guy that he's going to be competing with for his whole career. Right. Uh, you know, that kind of scares owners at times like that. So if, if Kenneth's like part of your formula that you're, you're a true win now team, um, you could hesitate. Cause I, I, like I said, I think Kenneth Walker is worth two first, honestly. Um, now the two is intriguing, like I said, but if you got like a four, you know, I I'd kind of say like, like the fourth pick in like, like I said, the eighth or the 10th or somewhere in there, I think you can get two for Kenneth. Um, but that's kind of my I got sorry, I got a two answer, two answers for you there. I say accept one and decline the other. <laughs> yeah, it was predictable that you were gonna take the middle, the middle road. Yeah, the, the political the political uh <laughs> I know. Only only uh only me can say would you rather and I'll say, well, both. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough call. And I do understand that that your what your goals are very much very much play into the, the route you're going to go in this particular type of move. You know, if it's a super flex league and I'm rebuilding, I don't have quarterback play, I'm smashing this trade. I'm getting Kenneth Walker off my team and I'm getting the 102 onto my team. And I'm moving back maybe a little bit. If I don't really care about the, the different quarterbacks on the board, if I just want to walk away with one of them, then I'm definitely going to move back and collect some additional value to uh, to make sure that I address the quarterback position and then keep building going forward. So rookie quarterbacks typically don't, don't ball out for fantasy purposes right away. So I don't expect that. From my 102, but I have the patience in a rebuild to do that. Um, so that's where we're at on, on on Walker. We got one more running back to touch on here, and this is a guy who's been around the league a little bit longer, but he's just kind of finally coming on and being the guy. And that's Tony Pollard. And yeah, the question here is: Would you rather have Tony Pollard or the 106? What do you think, Aaron? <laughs> I like it. I like it. This is one where this is funny. So once again, didn't know what you'd say. I wrote down 106 so you were spot on with each other <laughs> yeah so if this is real life we probably would have a be handshaking right now i literally wrote down 106 so um that's almost exactly how or that is exactly what, <laughs> what i was uh what i would give up for him too because it's one where you know he's kind of in this you know he's definitely in the hype <laughs> hype uh hype season right now where everybody's excited that he's taken over for Zeke. Right. Um, but I, I, I want to rate him much, you know, much lower than the six, right. In in the twos, the threes, the fours where, um, you know, we, we, we saw some very explosive weeks out of Pollard or, you know, we've seen it in his career, right. To be explosive. Um, 
I still have a little bit of my doubts as far as just how many rushing attempts, um, you know, he can have for a full season, you know, um, you know, can he, can he be a workhorse back? I guess is the question, right? Cause I think before last year, he never rushed more than, I think, I think it was 14 attempts in a game, never rushed more than that. And, and I want to say even that dated back to college too, but, um, to answer your question, I would still I would accept the 106 for for Pollard because that is exactly what I wrote down. Look at that. Sometimes we're just on the same page here without uh without talking about it beforehand. So that's uh, that's what happens when you record together for a year plus now going on. <laughs> so yeah, so I thought that was a, a, at least a fair talking point to bring up Tony Pollard versus the 106. And Pollard's a guy that I've been in on for a long time. I, I remember I grabbed, grabbed him off the waiver wires following a rookie draft after his, you know, going into his rookie season. Um, so I have been a Pollard fan for a while, but that said, I mean, I am going to take my shot at one Oh six. Um, you know, just in that range, I'm guaranteed to get one of the top four quarterbacks or B. John Robinson or my choice of um, Jamar Gibbs or Jackson Smith and Jigba, depending on, you know, the team needs and the format, all that. Um, you know, Pollard is 26, which is not old. He does not have a massive workload on his frame. He is coming off a broken leg that he suffered during their playoff loss to the 49ers. Um, so he is at the moment on track to be back for, uh, for the start of camp. You know, Dallas, as we saw, likes to utilize multiple backs as we saw last year where they were kind of rolling out Zeke, who was stealing a ton of touchdowns at the end of the year. So I do think that, that then with them being linked to backs early in this upcoming draft, that we could see them take either a day one or a day two running back to kind of add to the mix and uh, and just kind of give a little bit more competition to Pollard back there. They franchise Pollard. So it's a one year deal. They have them on, you know, they could, that could kind of go either way. You know, they could, you know, work, work in the rookie right, of the, right away because they think he's their future. So they want to get him out there and see what they have, or they could just ride Tony Pollard into the ground this year and give him a ton of touches, even though he's never really had that much workload. So it could go either way with him. The Dallas offense is a good one. So Pollard doesn't necessarily need a ton of work to, to be fantasy relevant. I think he's going to have a very good season again. At the moment, I would put him in there as an RB1. But at, at running back, I'd like to get out a year early and, and where I can. And I think this is a great sell window to do so on Tony Pollard. Uh, just with all the hype for the moment, you know, Zeke's gone. The guys that you've signed are very much backup players. So there's no other competition for targets at, at the at the moment on, on the team. I'm not panicking to sell Pollard if I have him, particularly if I'm in win-now type of mode. But – I just think that the prospects in this class at one through six in Superflex formats are just too good for me to pass up where I'd be willing to move a 26-year-old Tony Pollard in exchange for the 106. And that's where I fell with uh, with Pollard. So uh, let's move on to, to Amari Cooper here. We'll go to the wide receiver position. And I'll just toss it right to you on this one as well. Um, it's Amari uh, Cooper or the 108. Which one? Ooh, uh, the, the would you rather? Uh, I guess I'd rather have the 108, right? Um, if I was giving, you know, making the trade, I probably would, uh, you know, probably would send something much, much later, right? So I would say I would, I was le leaning more towards like an early second to be, to tell the truth. But uh, just talking about age, I know he's going to put up numbers. Um, I think he'll, he'll probably still have a great season um, with Watson. I think it, does come back to that conversation uh you know what what, what kind of teams are involved in this trade is, is it a win now team again um but yeah i think as far as asset wise i'd rather have the eight um you know knowing that i mean one watch out i i know like looking at the mock drafts right now anything after the seven starts getting a little bit of that gray 
gray area. You know, we'll definitely have to see how the draft goes. That may change people's opinions. You might have some more value and like, you know, up to the 10th pick. Right. So we, I know that happened last year where some guys moved up where, um, you know, we were pretty sure up to this. It's almost, it's almost that seven, eight round, especially in super flags. You kind of you kind of know some for sure guys, and then you get like that eight, nine, ten. That is that gray area. So I like what you did there, <laughs> calling out the eight, right? Because then it start it does start to get gray. Um, but I think I still would uh, take the chance on the eight in this trade because I would um, I want to give up anything uh, more than an early second if I was uh, if I was you know offering the trade. Yeah, and you, you picked up on what I was doing there 100%. You're definitely right about that. I picked one away for a reason because it is, at least at this particular moment in time, as of this recording on April 5th, um, that after the 107 in a lot of people's books, and mine as well, after 107 is where it starts to get murky between the 108 to 112 range and then into the second round. Um, but it's, I'm going a little bit bolder on this one here. The conventional wisdom would be to say that Amari Cooper's 29. He was good last year, but not 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 elite or anything like that. You should probably take like the draft pick here. You'll hope one of these other guys that aren't necessarily a slam dunk prospect lands into a great spot, and then they kind of jump up draft boards and they kind of become a consensus 108. That would be the textbook traditional dynasty move in this particular case. But if you listen to how I felt about Deshaun Watson in last week's episode, you're probably going to know my answer here and that I'm going to roll with Amari Cooper on this one. Um, I'm just very high on what's an evolving Cleveland, Cleveland Browns offense that's, that's gone from one of the more run-heavy teams in the league to now is going to be more of a pass heavy attack in 2023. And the reason I think so, you know, they just, they don't, you don't spend all those draft picks and invest as much money as you had in a guy like Deshaun Watson and as much money as you have in a guy like Amari Cooper to not throw the rock around. Okay. 2022 for, as we touched on last week was very much a lost year for the Browns. They didn't know what Watson's suspension was going to be until very late into the off season. They had to build an offense for 12 weeks around Jacoby Brissett. And when Watson came back, he hadn't played football in over a year and a half. So he was going to be rusty. They kind of had to roll with what they had been doing doing in, year, in years for Cleveland. But the offense is changing. Deshaun Watson's knocked the rust off. And Amari Cooper, who finished right on the WR1 borderline a season ago, is going to, is going to be a big benefactor of that. And I think we can both agree, uh, yes or no, Aaron, would you agree that Amari Cooper is the best receiver on the current Cleveland Browns roster? Yes or no? <laughs> yes we can yes, agree on that. i agree with you he's the number one receiver now let's talk about some of deshaun watson's number one receivers that he's had in his three full seasons as a, as a quarterback in the nfl Woo-hoo, please do <laughs> in, yeah, we'll, we'll get going. to your guy so. <laughs> uh, in 2018 uh, we had deandre hopkins who finished ppr wr2 overall not as a, a wr2 the number two overall so elite 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 producer 2019 hopkins again wr4 overall and then in 2020 hopkins had made his way to arizona but you had Will Fuller for the first 12 weeks of the year. There's your guy, Aaron. <laughs> um, and then he was gone. So Brandon Cooks took over the number one receiver role. And if you look at Fuller's first 12 weeks and then tack on Brandon Cooks' weeks 13 through 17 into that mix as well and just combine those numbers together. So it's just 17, 16 games. That's how many they played back then. You have the WR4 season on there. So Watson was okay with peppering his top his top receiver with plenty of targets, Okay. So if you look at a changing offense in Cleveland, you have a track record for this quarterback who locks onto his top guy. And the fact that Amari Cooper is the undoubted top guy in this receiver room. You know, I, I look at Cooper, a guy, even though he's 29, I think his game's going to age incredibly well. He runs really crisp routes. He's not a blazing speed demon or, 
a big contested contested catch guy. So I'm not worried about the tires falling off in the next couple seasons. So I think we can get two or three WR one years out of him, assuming Deshaun Watson returns to at least somewhat of the form that we saw in Houston. And, you know, I think uh, I'm big things are on the horizon in Cleveland. The team's going to be a lot better. Cooper's going to see a ton of work. And I think he outperforms the one Oh eight in a two to three year window. Any thoughts on Cooper before we move on to the tight end position? No, I think away. I mean, I mean we all experienced this as far as negotiating and to get more, assets or picks or something i think probably what you know to get this deal done is you probably find somewhere somewhere in the middle of what what we're saying right so i said something like a early second right so you got the two one or the the eight um you know maybe you can meet somewhere in the middle right so if you got the you got the 10 11 or 12 or something that's probably gonna make a uh make a deal so that that's probably um, I guess that's what I would say on that, because I'm not going to argue with you there. I think Cooper's going to have a, a strong season. I think it's just far as if you want to be stingy with what you're giving up. Um, yeah, like I said, maybe maybe you guys maybe you could meet in the middle somewhere if you have one of those picks. For sure. I mean, I we, I threw one away as a talking point out here. I would pay that for him if I was in a win now team. But if you can get him for any cheaper than that, absolutely do it. You know, if you got one away and you got one twelve, toss the one twelve out there and see see where it goes. And then if they counter with one oh eight, maybe you counter trying to get a second back somewhere down the road. So definitely feel it out. The rookie picks are extremely value right valuable right now. So uh let the process play out a little bit more too if you're holding the picks. Like counter offer, wait a couple weeks here, wait a few days at least, see if you can get that squeeze every drop of value you can out of those picks. I don't hate that thought process at all. Uh speaking of a guy who squeezed every bit of production out of uh, his first couple of years as a tight end, we're going to uh, to this back to this position here. And remember this is a premium format here. So we're talking Darren Waller. Aaron, would you rather have Darren Waller or the 112? Ooh. Waller or the 12. Now, this is this is uh probably not the right uh person to ask because after I want to say uh, a couple episodes uh ago when we talked the Darren Waller trade, uh I was listening to our own show. I was like, you know what? Let me try to make this trade for Darren Waller. So I know what I gave up for. For Waller, uh, I was nowhere nowhere near uh, the one twelve, um, but it was a perceived early twenty four second, and uh, and Waller's protege with Bellinger, right? So that's what I literally gave up in one uh, premium tight end premium league. Um, as far as you know, the twelfth pick and Waller goes, um, <laughs> you know, I hate to sound like a broken record again, but. You really got to put your put your shoes, you know, put envision yourself, um, you know, in, in what you know, what shoes you're filling. Right. So it, are you that one win now team or the rebuilding team? I think if you can get the 12 for Waller, um, hey, why why not? You know, if you want to get younger because Waller's, um, you know, value is going to keep diminishing regardless of how well he does. Right. You even have. um you know, you even you even had Kelsey haters last year, right? So he was what, what, like thirty-two, and you know everybody was saying, "Hey, don't, don't, don't trust Kelsey anymore," right? So I think um, there is a there is that belief out there, but we do know that tight ends still are pretty pretty viable. The older they get, I I think you know I think they can play up to you know thirty-three, thirty-four at times and still um, put up numbers. Now it's as far as what diminishing returns you're willing to to settle with. So, um, like I said, sound like a broken record. I think you go either way on that. Just really depends like what we always talk about, what kind of position you're in. 
Um, but I would say if you hold on to Waller, you got to know that even if he busts out this year and has a you know comeback season, um, you know down the road, still managers are not gonna give you that much value for him. So as long as you know that and you want to keep him, um, you know just know that going forward. But um, you know that twelfth pick can still, um, I would say, be worth worth. Uh, I would say to take the twelve in in most scenarios. Um, unless you really are kind of hungry for uh, for a veteran. So I took this this one from the lens of if if you're drafting at the 112, then you're, I'm assuming you're the team coming off a championship run. And so your team's probably good, you know, unless you really went all in on veterans, you know, that older and you're trying to retool it on the fly. Like I'd say your team's probably looking to to repeat again. And maybe if you need a little bit of help at tight end, then a guy like Darren Waller is a good guy to target. And I think, you know, where he's coming off back-to-back injury-plague seasons, I know that. But I'm willing to gamble on him at the 112 if my team is good and trying to compete right now. And the reason I say this is because just look around at the rest of the Giants skill players. When I look at their skill players, I see Saquon Barkley, who's a running back, and I see no one else. Except for my guy, Isaiah Hodgins, of course, who I think is a, is a good player and I like him. He's a good little guy that I've stashed throughout various dynasty leagues, but he's not an alpha receiver. He's not an alpha target hog by, by any, any, any stretch of the imagination, even for a Hodgins guy like me. So even if the Giants were to take a wide receiver in round one, I still think Waller's the guy heading into 2023 in this offense. In fact, the first round rookie may even take some of the attention away from Darren Waller, which I think could be a good thing for him. And, uh, you know, we saw Waller post back-to-back top three tight end seasons in 2019 and 2020. And this kind of a really similar scenario. Devontae Adams was not out there. Uh, Hunter Renfro was a rookie, I want to say, in 2020. So he wasn't really at at his best yet either. So we've seen Waller produce with a middling quarterback like a Derek Carr. And, you know, take kind of take, take the tight end landscape by storm. You know, the only question here is the health. And I get it. One, one twelve is a first round pick. It's the real, it's a tough time of year to try to sort of move away from a rookie pick to really get enough for it. But it's not really a slam dunk as we were talking about in the last segment there. So there's not really a home run prospect. You know, you, you're probably looking at a tight end in that range. One of the top two, two or so tight end prospects. So yeah, if you're in a rebuilding team, sure. Maybe that's better for your, for your outlook. But at just 31 years old, I'm willing to roll the dice on Waller. Like you mentioned, you know, tight ends can produce into their to their mid 30s or so, 33, maybe even 34. So I think there's a little bit left in the, in the in the tank here for Darren Waller. I really like the landing spot that he got dropped into with the Giants and Brian Dayball, and I think uh, you know he could be he could be ascending back up to the top five or so of the tight end rankings, even if it's only for a season or two. Um, so that's where I came in on Waller. Um, we got one more tight end to discuss here. And I'll uh, I'll lead off on this one because uh, it's uh, it's one of my guys, one of my Patriots guys, and it's Hunter Henry. So it's would I rather have Hunter Henry or the two oh eight? And like I said, I'm a Patriots fan. The audience knows that by now. But I like to consider myself to be very objective when it comes to my New England guys. I haven't had a ton of them over the years for this reason. They get overdrafted around here in Dynasty and both redraft formats. And in this particular case, I would rather take the two oh eight by a mile. Um, you know, they just signed Mike Isecki, who I'm not in love with either. But he is more of a pass-catching tight end than a guy like Hunter Henry uh, is, especially at this stage of his career. You know, Henry, to me, is a solid NFL player, but I don't really trust his Patriots offense. And he's also competing with targets for guys guys like Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, who they just acquired, and uh, Tyquan Thornton, who's entering year two, um, as a, you know, coming off his rookie wide receiver season. Um, and I, I don't really – I'm not even all that sold on Mac Jones, honestly. The jury's still out on him. I mean, hell, there was even rumors that, that they were shopping him earlier this offseason. So who really knows what's going on in that situation? It's the third different offensive coordinator that this that this team has broken in in the last three years, which is never a good thing when you're 
constantly messing with the continuity um, of, of your offense and changing it so much. You know, it's, uh, it is a super flex tight end premium league, so you'd be surprised how much running back and wide receiver talent gets pushed down these boards into the mid to late, even second round of drafts. You, know, you look back, you see some of these guys, like I'm on Ross St. Brown, was a guy like in this format who was going in the mid to late second round of drafts. So those those talented players, they are a little bit undervalued. They get they get dropped into this range, and so you can find guys, you know, in this in this territory that you really like. And you know, if you're sitting on the 208, 209, 210, you know, maybe you can move it back for like two future seconds or something like that. I just think there's going to be more flexibility in holding the, that late second round pick than there ever will be in a guy like Hunter Henry, who's really more of a backup tight end for fantasy purposes. And you know, if you can sell the name recognition, recognition and the previous tight end one seasons that come along with Hunter Henry. I do it and I do it pretty quick here. Where do you fall in on Hunter Henry versus the 208 in this year's <laughs> draft? Yeah, I, my honest opinion, I think you actually, even though you're being objective, you took the eight. I think you're even being generous, uh, making that the deciding factor. I, I'd probably even take the eight over a standard, uh, standard league, as you said, uh, where, you know, sometimes I fall in love with those mid, you know, mid second um players right you, you know Amon Ross St. Brown comes to mind I was going to bring him up, up as well but yeah Antonio Gibson's of the world uh, players like that that you know you find those diamonds in the rough around there um so I think it, another great thing about you know I guess as we're talking about mid-seconds is you know there there it's it's less um you know they're, they're less scary picks right because you know that you know you are you are drafting in the mid-second meaning you haven't given up a whole lot to get that and you can hit home run right where as we said in that murky water sometimes you're going with the the bigger name you know maybe the 10th pick you know as, as you know sometimes you might go you know talent or you know college talent over landing spot or something like that and that's where sometimes those picks um you know don't do as well right so um yeah i agree with you i'd take the eight definitely in super flags i'd i'd even probably take the aid in uh in a standard league too i, I think i'm just kind of out on on henry right right now at this you know this time in in the fantasy world because I, I feel like if i'm that desperate desperate for a tight end like you said he's kind of a bench tight end that where if i'm starting him week to week I'm, I'm i better be looking at other alternatives right so um that's my opinion over that um that scenario where yeah i i, I take the aid as well the 208 yeah, and again, it's it's uh it's not me just trying to, to throw toss hate on my Patriots players to to show how objective I am. It's just a, a case of me being out on this particular player. And honestly, at this point, I might even take an early an early third round pick over Hunter Henry, which is going to sound blasphemous to my fellow Patriots fans. But that's where I'm at on a guy like Hunter Henry, especially when I see them add a pass catching specialist at tight end like a Mike Kosicki. So that's where I'm at on Henry. We'll see how it works out there in New England. I'm hoping for good things for my Patriots, but to be honest with you, I'm not nearly as optimistic on them as I have been at most of the points in my 32 years on this earth as a Patriots fan. Um, so that's what, that's what we have for players here to wrap up. Uh, did you have any interesting uh, deals that you wanted to propose to me? I've done a lot of the, uh, of the starting of the negotiations here. Do you have anything you want to toss back at me, Mr. Brown? Ooh, ooh, ooh. So, you know, I guess uh, I, I want to try to be, objective as well right because i don't want to i don't want to bring up some of my you know some of my players that i have let me uh let me think what about um what would you do for uh waddle jalen waddle what what draft pick would you give up for uh uh for waddle jalen waddle interesting one you know he's a 
He's obviously a top like five to seven ish, maybe top eight receiver at a lot of dynasty rankings. Really good young talent down there in Miami. You know, Tyreek Hill, as great as he is, he's starting to get up there in age a little bit, especially for a speed based player. Uh, we'll see how much longer he sticks around. Wiles has the youth on his side and had 100 receptions as a rookie. Great player. Uh, if I was going to buy him right now in this format, again, that's a 12 team super flex format, tight end premium. Um, you know, if I was actually going to buy him here, the most I would spend on there is probably like the 104, maybe even the 103, depending on my team construction. You know, if uh, when we start talking 101, we're obviously talking about B. John Robin, generational RB prospect. 102 is the uh, your choice of quarterback prospect. And number three is kind of probably the next quarterback prospect. So those guys I would, I would probably take above Waddle in this format. When we start talking like third quarterback off the board, fourth quarterback off the board, maybe like Smith and Jigba or like Gibbs. I'm not quite as sold on those guys in comparison to a player like Waddle, who I've seen him do it on the field and he's still young. And now he's attached to a good offensive mind in Mike McDaniel. So I I, uh, I would take Waddle probably around the 104, uh, 104 range. Uh, anything to anything before that I wouldn't necessarily dive into for the reasons I mentioned, but uh, I'd be willing to part with a, a relatively early pick for a guy like Waddle if I was in the market for a receiver. What do you think on that? Yeah, I think that's actually I think you pin pinpointed it a little bit. I would, you know, if I had Waddle, I would try to get some earlier than a than the seventh, right? So I think really if we could try to pinpoint his range, it's probably four to six. Honestly, if you can get one hundred four to one hundred six. I think that's a good deal you know we're kind of just talking one for one trades uh tonight on players so i think that's probably a fair deal deal on both sides you know we did talk about earlier like giving up one side uh you know one side giving up more than the other i think anything past 107 i think you're you're kind of giving up like you know as captain carmen like to likes to say proven talent i like to i wanted to bring up waddle just because of that competition with tyree kill you know i think we talk about you know, daily fantasy and, and things like that, where, you know, I, I don't know how much, you know, how different strategies, what, what fantasy owners like to put together to teams. Um, I like putting together, like who I think are more like alphas on, on, on teams, as far as the wide receiver position goes. So um, having that competition of Tyree kill does scare me. I do still, even though he ultimately is a top, you know, top 10, um, you know, dynasty wide receiver, you still sometimes have those boomer boomer bust weeks. So I think, you know, if you think, you know, depending how detailed you want to get in it, um, I think you gotta look at some of those factors. But um, I think I think you did a good job pinpointing. I think somewhere between the four and the six, upgrade from the seven, as you said, maybe um, you know, why would you want to do one for one with in Jegba, right? You know, depending, you know, now the interesting thing if you do this is this time of year. So if you wait post draft and Jacob goes somewhere where he's the true clear cut alpha number one, that's a different story, right? Then it, it makes it a little bit more interesting to kind of uh, take the chance on that trade at that point. Uh, what, what, what do you think about some of that? Yeah. And the, the point about a Jigba is spot on. Like if you're taking, if you're taking a Jigba over Waddle, you're kind of just hoping that JSN becomes Jalen Watt and then you'll be, you'll, you'll be happy with it. So <laughs> that it's not worth the risk there. You know, 106, 107 definitely needed to be a little bit earlier in the range that I mentioned. Um, let's go to another young player here. I'll, I'll toss one back at you on this one. Um, this one, another wide receiver. He's currently WR nine, the fantasy pros dynasty rankings. That's T Higgins. Who's the number two receiver on his own team, uh, but has produced at a, a high end WR two uh, in the first couple of seasons in his career, in his career. You know, where would you, uh, 
what pick would you would you want to send out the door for him? Or what's the most you'd be willing to send out the door for T. Higgins in this format? Mm, if I'm trying to get him, if I had the picks, if I had any picks. Yeah. So what's if you were, were in the market for a receiver, you have you have picks. What's the highest pick you give up straight up for Higgins? Ooh, yeah, that's another one. I, I think that's where you got to put on your your negotiating skills a little bit and try to argue, you know, try to try to throw as much um, swaying over the conversation. If you got the mid the later first, if you can still get away getting with those those later first, I think that's kind of a home run. And we can get up, give up like the as we said, like the seventh or eighth, you know, maybe maybe uh, that owner may not want to deal with the competition with Chase. Um, I think it's still a smart play. You know, look, looking a week to week and, um, you know, having T, I, I, I do think Higgins is a pretty, um, I think he's still pretty, uh, um, you know, strong candidate, right, with, with Burrow. Um, I think the owner, uh, or I'm sorry, the GM mentioned, hey, go get your own wide receiver. Stop trying, you know, trying to trade for T. So I think they like him. They want to try to keep him, him and Chase, um, you know, for the long haul. Uh, it's probably a smart move for Cincinnati, right? Um, so I would try to, you know, I would actually try to try to give um, a later first, <laughs> right? But I actually probably put him in the same boat as Waddle. Honestly, I'd probably put him in that in that same type of thinking, right? Because he does have the competition of Chase. Um, you know, why would you just give up the proven talent for like the Njigba or something like that too? So I'd almost bucket them in the same, you know, same conversation, Waddle and, and Higgins. So I have I have Higgins a, a tier below Jalen Waddle, honestly. And that's really because more so the styles of the players. I think Higgins is really good. I think he complements what they do really well in Cincinnati, and I'm happy to have him on all of my my dynasty teams where I can get him. But I, I think that I, I would not give up anything in the top seven for Higgins. And I understand that if I'm talking 108, 109, 110, I'm probably going to have to add on, on top of that. And I'm, I'd be happy to do it. If I'm talking like 108 and like a future second, even in your early second, like 108, 201, 202, something like that, I'd be happy right. to do that. Like I think that's some, a deal you could probably get done on draft day, particularly if a couple of guys kind of fall into more favorable landing spots. I think they will have an opportunity for that deal to go to go down at that time. You know, I just not as quite as sold on Higgins as others. I'm, you know, I didn't love his profile coming out of of college. He's obviously proven me wrong on that. He's a capable NFL player. He's a big body target in a in a high scoring offense. So he is a guy that you definitely want. Uh, but I'm not paying a premium draft pick for him, whereas I would pay you know a a pretty premium, uh, not the top top of the line pick for Waddle. Like I said, like 103, 104, yes, 101, 102, no. Um, I would give up less for Waddle, but like you said, uh, it's probably a better case of having to toss in like a future second or an early second this year, along with a late first this year to have an opportunity to get that, that type of trade done. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd probably agree with that. I think like, like I said, if I'm, I'm kind of more on that, that, that uh, late, late first side, right? Like that's what I'd be willing to give up for him. Right. In reverse, obviously you're going to want more. So um, I try to, I guess I was trying to answer both sides of the coin. So I, obviously you know, you're not going to want to say the same answer on both sides of the coin, right? So, um, yeah, I agree. Um, I probably – I would not give up an early first for Higgins, for sure. Okay, yeah, no, definitely on the same page there. And, you know, any uh, any other comps you want to throw at me real quick? Any other trade offers here last minute? Throw that at the, at the commish before we close it out here? What do you got for me, Aaron? Anything? Ooh, what is an intriguing player? Actually, let's bring up some of the buzz right now. So what 
what do you do if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner in a super flex league? Right. What, what what's uh what's the trade look like with Aaron Rodgers right now, in your opinion? I think he's a nice little buy low if you're a veteran or you know, have a win now win now team and you maybe need a third quarterback to to rely on, or maybe a guy you can kind of platoon as your second quarterback that you can use in a pinch. Um, I think it's a good buying opportunity because he's not on a team at the moment. You know, the Jets and the Packers are still in a little bit of a standoff here over the compensation that the Green Bay is willing to accept to give up Aaron Rodgers. So they're kind of playing that little song and dance and all that. And I think that's going to get sorted out sooner rather than later. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to make his way over to the Jets in the next couple of weeks here. So, um, you know, what I would give up for him is, is kind of tricky. Like I would love to pay like an early second for him, you know, knowing that he's 40, uh, 40, 41 years old, something on that borderline. He only probably has like two years left in him. So he is very much a short-term rental. That's only going to fit on a win now team. I would like to pay, uh, early second form. If I had to pay like one twelve, and I I really thought he was the last piece missing in a championship team, I'd be willing to do that. Dip into the late first round, but certainly anything in the top seven or eight, I would not be willing to do for Aaron Rodgers at the stage. You know, it just feels like at that price point, you're paying for past production. And I know he was a perennial QB one for a long time. I think those days are probably behind him. I have him more so on the on the high end QB two range, and you know, more so than I do as a QB one. So I, I, I like the player for this year, but I'm not, I'm not going to pay anything remotely close to what I once would for a guy like Rogers. What are your thoughts on that answer? Ooh, you know, I, I just thought of a, you know, let's do a little rapid, rapid fire here. So if you had to, if you, let's say you're talking to two managers right now, right? So what, what if, what if you're choosing between cousins or Rogers, knowing that cousins has one year left on his contract, a little younger, but he does only have one year. Or Rogers, you can get Rogers, cousin. Which direction would you go? I'm going Kirk Cousins on that, and and then not even so much based on the age. I look at them kind of both in the same bucket at this point, where they're really only good for win now teams. You know, you're not going to rebuild your team around 40 year old Aaron Rodgers, or I believe it's 35 or 36 year old Kirk Cousins. Uh, I like Cousins better because you know he's perennially perennially underrated. He's had three straight QB one seasons. He had the best season of his career a year ago. And I think just the familiarity he has with that offense, you know, he has, you know, Hawkinson's there now. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is the kind of the, the rock on that team that he has to throw the ball to. You know, he has great pieces and a good offensive system to work with, whereas Aaron Rodgers is in limbo at the moment, and he's ending up with the New York Jets. or breaking in with a new team, although he will have some familiarity with some of the receivers as well as the same offensive coordinator. So if I am picking straight up, I would take Kirk Cousins. And I think uh, they're just they're both guys that you just fit onto a win now team versus a, a middle of the pack team or a retooling team. So what do you think on that? Yeah, I do. I I think yeah, I think they're definitely both uh, win now teams for sure. I brought I brought Cousins up to 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 argue between those two just because it is interesting looking at his longevity. Like you said, Rogers may have won maybe two right um, seasons left, but what does happens with what does happen to cousins after, after this season, right? Do the Vikings, um, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep resigning him, or, you know, does he go somewhere else? If he does go somewhere else, is he going to be a starter somewhere? So actually, um, I guess my question is, uh, do you think, uh, here it'd be interesting. Does, does cousins have more than one viable year left? You know, if he does go to a different team or, and I think you said we we all know that Rodgers is going to, for instance, if he goes to the to the Jets, and he let's just say we're playing fortune teller here, and he he does have two seasons left in him, um, 
I think maybe I would possibly try to go the Rogers route. Um, you know, if you well, <laughs> it is interesting. I I would if you want to look at it where you want to maybe squeeze two decent seasons over them. Um, maybe I <laughs> I don't I can't believe I'm talking myself into it because I was a big Cousins fan last year. Um, I don't know why I'm talking myself into Rogers right now over Cousins. Now. I'm gonna stop maybe, you here. Maybe I'm hyping myself up. <laughs> I'm gonna throw you the lifeline, and I'm gonna save you on this one here because you're floundering over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and so, like, look, Rodgers was great for a long time. Like, no one's gonna pretend that Kirk Cousins' prime was better than Aaron Rodgers. Like, like not even me, who's a known Aaron Rodgers hater. But like, I think you're worried about Kirk Cousins beyond this season. Like, I don't know if he's gonna be back in Minnesota. No one does. How the season plays out will go a long way in determining that. But, but I think we're looking at a guy like Cousins who has made four Pro Bowls in his career, including uh, three in the last four seasons. Now, I know Pro Bowl, like the bar has been really lowered on that in, in recent years. So it's not like it's a, you know, as prestigious as an, as an award as it was in years past by any means. But I think he's done enough as, as an NFL quarterback where he's going to be starting in, in the league for the for a couple seasons here. You know, we see guys get like second, third, fourth opportunities all the time in the NFL, particularly guys who have done it before. You know, Matt Ryan was on was running on fumes last year. You know, Philip Rivers got a chance at 40. Like, you know, we've seen these guys, you know, kind of drop off a little bit and still get opportunities. So where we're looking at a, a one to two year window here, my biggest my biggest um, thing that I would want was what their 2023 outlook looks like. And I think just because of that familiarity in that system with those weapons um, and being a lock to be on that team, I think I would I would just safely go with Kirk Cousins on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were somewhat close as far as tier last year. I, I mean, Cousins had the better season. I'm talking preseason to the 22 um, year. I know I was. It's funny we had this exact same debate last year. I was the big Cousins fan. Um, it is interesting that I, I was trying to sway my own opinion over that. Um, but I think you know for the reasons you said. I think Justin Jefferson being um, you know one of if not the best uh, fantasy wide receiver in the league. I think that's, um, you know, he's definitely got that going for him. I think, uh, you know, Rogers, you know, possibly having to deal with a, you know, set of, um, you know, young wide receivers again. Um, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the, the downfall of the, you know, maybe, he, uh, maybe these teams trying to go after him, maybe, you know, maybe they're, they're having second thoughts. Maybe, maybe they're thinking about some of this stuff too, where uh, we might not get the Rogers of old. Um, so thank you for talking myself, talking me out of it, but it's definitely two players that I would actually put, uh, pretty close to each other as far as, um, value goes. Um, you know, if you got to choose between the two, but, um, I think, I think you swayed me back to the cousin side. You talked some sense yes. into me. Thank you for that. Yes. I always <laughs> talk someone into, into the, uh, anti Aaron Rodgers side, even though objectively, that's think, right. You would, yeah, even though objectively, I think it's, it's right the now. right move in this particular case. <laughs> But, hey, we have a lot more Dynasty content coming up down the pike here. It is almost rookie draft season. I have a feeling that next week we're going to start diving into some more hardcore rookie content with the NFL draft being just three weeks away. So we wanted to make sure we touched on a little bit of a hybrid uh, approach today with a little bit of uh, NFL veterans mixed in there with the rookie picks. But we're going to be very rookie heavy over the next few episodes. It's a fun time of the year on the calendar. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And in the wise words of Captain Carmen, peace.